sure that we get enough exercise and adequate rest. And I really feel that it's equally as important that we take good care of our skin. My name is Nancy Folsom, and I teach skin care and color cosmetics with Mary Kay. By asking you just a couple of questions about your skin, we can come up with a plan that will help you feel and look your best. Mary Kay has skincare lines for every skin type, including products designed especially for men. I'd like to inform you about my specials this month. The first special is everything is 10% off. The second special is a free satin hand set when you purchase a skincare set. During this time of using hand sanitizer, the satin hand set will be so wonderful for you. Have you ever thought about owning your own business? Have you ever thought maybe of doing a business including Mary Kay? Well, from now until May 31st, Mary Kay is running a special, and you can actually start your own Mary Kay business for $30. I'd love to tell you more about that, as well as more about other, other products. You can contact me by calling me at, at my phone number, 850-524-5026. You may email me at nfolsom at comcast.net or you can peruse my website at www.marykay.com forward slash Nancy Folsom. I'd like to invite you to a virtual skincare party on June the 8th. If you're interested, please send me an email and let me know your contact information so that I can talk with you and send you products that I feel will best be suited for your skin, and we will have a virtual party. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope you all have a glorious day and have a good time. Enjoy the convention. Hello. Thank you for your interest in my presentation. My name is Pam Reif, and I'm the proprietor, creator, and curator of Pamela Marie's Essential Oils. I'm passionate about thriving naturally and gracefully in this crazy world of ours. My product line consists of essential oils, dried herbs, herbal oils, clays, and hydrosols, lotions, syrups, tinctures, tonics, deodorant, I make small batches and love custom blending. Remember, no synthetic preservatives are used in my products. Many must be stored in the refrigerator for good shelf life. It's not made to sit in a warehouse. It's made to be used. And you will soon realize just how essential these products will become to be in your wellness toolbox. Cleansing greens, custom made for your sensibilities, accompanied by an uplifting toner, followed by luxurious lotion. No matter your, your complexion, we can blend up an amazing regime for you, all through tele, telecommunications if we need it. You can text me. My number is 407-459-5300. I do my best to procure everything that I have from the 
country or region of origin from wherever it came from. My echinacea comes from the United States. My frankincense comes from Oman. My green clay comes from France. I'm really picky about what I ingest and what I use in my life now. Um, I've come to believe that there's a lot of toxicity out there that I just don't want in my system. And I don't think I want you guys to have it either. I would love to be able to introduce you to all these wonderful products that I have that I've gotten from the earth. The earth has supplied to us. And obviously, the universe wants us to use it. So, oh, and I wanted you to know that I'm making hand sanitizer now because our hands were just getting so torn up. So I have a hand sanitizer that I'm making with 75% grain alcohol, rose water, glycerin, and a little bit of lavender. You can make it too. It's wonderful, and it keeps your hands feeling a little better and smelling a whole lot nicer. Now, the grain alcohol is not organic, um, but it is easily obtained at your local ABC liquor store. Um, And that's about all I have for today. I wish I had my website up and running yet, but it's still not ready. will be soon. Please text me. Text me your name, your number, any questions that you might have. I'll be more than happy. I'd love to meet you if I don't know you. And if I haven't talked to you in a while, reach out. We'll work on this. We'll get you something going. Thanks and have a really good day and be well. Hello, FCB. This is Amanda Tolson with Envision America. I'm so sad that I won't be able to meet you all in person this year. But isn't technology great that I can communicate with you this way? I'd like to talk about a few things that we have to offer. Most of you are already using and love. Some of you, it may be new to you. But I'd like to encourage you to call us at 1-800-890-1180 for more information. Again, that's 1-800-890-1180. I'd like to start by talking about our IDMate Galaxy, which is our barcode scanner that talks to you. This scanner will scan any barcode in your home and read out loud to you what that product is and information about it. So if we're talking about a food product, it's not only going to tell you what it is, but it'll let you know those cooking instructions, nutritional information, and the ingredients. It also comes with blank barcodes. So for any product in your home that doesn't already have a barcode on it, you can place one of these on and make your own recording as to what it is. These labels come in iron-on, adhesive, durable adhesive, which is actually dishwasher safe, and then a barcode label that has a rubber band on it for those items that a sticker just doesn't fit quite on. Those of you who are app users may be asking, why would I purchase a barcode scanner when I have an app for that? Well, the biggest difference is that our barcode scanner uses a red laser scanner. This is the same type of scanner that they use at the grocery store. So there's no more guessing work on where that barcode is. This scanner is so aggressive, you don't even need to know where that barcode is. And it's going to get you all the information you need. 
The other big difference is we have been developing a database of products for over 20 years. That means the likelihood of you coming across a product not in our database diminishes quite a bit. There is over 4 million products on the onboard database alone. And when you connect to Wi-Fi, it opens you up to 16 million items. There may be a chance that you do come across a product not in the database. But the great thing about the Galaxy is it lets you make a recording as to what that product is. And then it asks you if you want to upload that to Envision America. When we get your uploaded information, we do all the research on that product and we get it added to the database for you. So even though you've come across something not in there today, it's going to be in there in the future. We'd like to extend a special sale to FCB. The retail cost of an IDMate Galaxy is $1,299. But today, for FCB members, we'd like to extend a special sale. You can now get the IDMate Galaxy for $1,040. You also will receive a one-year extended warranty, giving you two full years of warranty, along with free shipping and a free deck of playing cards. To take advantage of the sale, give us a call at 1-800-890-1180. Again, that's 1-800-890-1180. And just let them know you're part of FCB. I'll repeat our phone number several times throughout this message so you have a chance to get it down. I'd like to move on to Script Talk now. Script Talk is our talking prescription reader. This is a free service available through pharmacies. Script Talk reads your entire prescription label to you out loud, including the drug name, instructions, warnings, and how many refills you have remaining. No more guessing when you need to call the doctor to get a refill. Many independent pharmacies, mail order pharmacies, and retail chain pharmacies provide Script Talk today. New to Florida is Publix. Publix now is offering Script Talk. All you need to do is go in and ask your pharmacist for it. It's really that easy. If you ever need any other assistance getting Script Talk, all you have to do is call us at Envision America, 1-800-890-1180. Our customer service staff will help get you set up with Script Talk. Even if you're using a mail order pharmacy or retail chain pharmacy, our customer service staff can help you get set up. Sometimes it's as easy as us sending an email. So give us a call and we can help make the process a lot quicker. Script Talk is a free service and there's never a cost to the user. Envision America will loan out a Script Talk reader to anybody who is using a pharmacy that provides the service. Or now we have an Android app and an iOS app. So you can always download the Script Talk mobile app on your smartphone for free. Give us a call and we'll help you get set up with Script Talk. Again, our phone number is 1-800-890-1180. I want to thank everybody who's taken the time to listen to my recording and let you all know that I've missed seeing you in person this year. Hopefully soon, things will be a little bit back to normal and we'll all be able to see each other in person again. Until then, we can always use the phone. So call us. 1-800-890-1180. Disability Rights Florida. 
a legacy of protection and advocacy. Prior to the 70s, the uh, institutionalization of individuals with disabilities was the, the norm. There was abuse, there was neglect taking place, really seclusion, inappropriate restraint, poor facilities, poor uh, nutrition, just pretty egregious. And that's how what is now Disability Rights Florida came about. In 1977, Congress began to address these inhumane conditions by creating a national system of legally based disability rights agencies to assist with that effort. Disability Rights Florida assists individuals and families to access education, employment, and independence. We also advocate at the legislature and in our discussions with state agencies for improvement in Florida's laws, policies, and practices. We continue to advocate for the elimination of abuse and neglect because unfortunately, though it has declined over the years, it still remains an issue and still occurs. We provide advocacy, legal representation and negotiations and investigation and facility monitoring. We had a client uh, recently who needed a wheelchair, a power wheel, uh, electric wheelchair. and. Um, couldn't get one. The individual was entitled to it and Medicaid was, was obligated to provide it and didn't. We became involved, represented that individual, and because of our expertise and our knowledge of how Medicaid works, which is something that the individual didn't have the knowledge of, we were able to cut through the red tape and get the individual the, the wheelchair that he deserved. Another good example of, of how we help with respect to education as well. An individual who, who, who can't speak, who was determined to be not able to, not cognitive in, in, in many ways, when in fact it turned out after testing that this individual was very aware of what was going on in his surroundings and knew what was going on in the world, as a matter of fact, from watching television and so on, just could not articulate any of it. And the need there was a, uh, an assistive technology piece of equipment wherein he could touch a screen and it would speak what he wanted to say. Matt, do you want more fries? Yes. And as a result of that, he was able to, and is able to go to school and respond. And we were instrumental in helping him obtain that. There's a variety of other examples like that. Uh, in, in the education world, in the employment world, uh, and, and just in the, in the world of, of uh, mobility and transportation. And those are the types of issues that we deal with. And if we need to do it in a, a legal environment, a litigation environment, as a last resort, that's what we will do. Working in partnership for equality and dignity. Our staff is, is exceptional, and I say that honestly and genuinely. Our staff is, they are committed, they are passionate in the work that they do. They're also relentless in pursuing an outcome. 
they work long hours and they will uh, commit whatever it takes to get the job done. If you or someone you know needs help, contact us. Our mission is to uh, protect and advocate for the rights of individuals with disabilities to enable them to obtain a, a full life with integrity, avail themselves of, of the same uh, rights and benefits of any other individual in this state. Our services are free and confidential. Contact us toll-free at 1-800-342-0823 or visit our website at disabilityrightsflorida.org. Hello, everyone. I'm Stacia Boyd, the president and creative director of Q Media Mobile Tours and a proud sponsor of the Florida Council of the Blind's 67th Annual Convention. We are thrilled to support this wonderful organization and this incredible community. As part of our sponsorship, we were asked to make a brief recording about who we are and what we do. But before I tell you more about us, I want to take a minute and thank the board and volunteers of FCB, the folks who saved the day by turning this in-person convention into a virtual experience almost overnight. There are too many people to name everyone individually, but I do want to say a special thank you to Sheila Young, Leslie Spoon, and Debbie Grubb. Their patience kept me up to date on all of the changes and made this moment possible. I cannot thank them enough. So, on to Q-Media and what we do. In short, Q-Media makes audio and digital mobile tours. We develop, create, and produce tours for museums, galleries, visitor centers, attractions, state and national parks, and any other type of cultural and historic institution all over the United States. We are a very small, family-owned production company run by me and my husband, Mike Lutz. If you're interested in learning more about it, Sheila Young and I will be hosting a session titled Audio Description of Museums on Friday, May 15th from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. So Mike and I started our business in 2002, and our very first client was the Album Palaszczuk Museum and Sculpture Garden in Winter Park. Over the years, our client list has grown to include such iconic sites as Mount Rushmore National Memorial, Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex, and Holocaust Museum Houston. When we started in 2002, we primarily created interpretive audio tours for the general public. The next year, we expanded to include multi-language translations in order to help museums reach their non-English-speaking visitors. In 2009, we discovered audio description, and since then have written and produced dozens of audio-described tours, helping our clients remove barriers and make their exhibits, films, and sites more accessible to visitors who are blind or have low vision. In addition to the locations I previously mentioned, we've developed and produced audio-described tours for numerous national sites, including Wright Brothers National Memorial in Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, and the Klondike Gold Rush Museum in Skagway, Alaska. Additional clients for whom we've created audio-described tours include, among others, the Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, the Edge Observation Deck at Hudson Yards in New York City, and the Bell Museum of Natural History in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So that's what we do. We make museums accessible. If you've ever taken an audio-described tour of a museum, I'm sure you know the difference they make not only for blind visitors, but also for their families. And if you've never taken an audio-described tour of a museum, I truly hope you do. The American Council of the Blind's Audio Description Project maintains a list on their website of museums that offer audio description. Obviously, the list is always being updated, so the best option is to contact any museum you want to go to and ask if they offer audio description. And if they don't, ask them why not. 
then ask them when they expect to have it, then please tell them to contact QMedia. Since we don't sell products directly to consumers, but rather we're hired by museums and other organizations, I don't have a website to send you to to buy something. I just wanted to say hi, introduce myself and our company, and let you know how proud we are to support the Florida Council of the Blind by being a corporate sponsor. Please enjoy the virtual convention, and if you're interested in learning more, join our session. Audio description of museums, Friday, May 15th, from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I look forward to meeting you. This is Sheila Young, President of the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind. We are very honored and pleased to be the host committee and sponsor for the Florida Council of the Blind State Convention. We wish all of you a very exciting experience at our new adventure in holding a virtual convention. Orcam Read was designed especially for people who have dyslexia, reading difficulties, learning disabilities, or reading fatigue. It can read any printed or digital text, wherever you are, on any surface, at just the push of a button. Orcam Read does not require any internet connection as everything is processed within the device. So whether it's a book at home in the evening, a newspaper in the morning, documents that come across your desk at work or at school, computer or smartphone screens, or even a novel on an airplane or a train, Orcam Read can be used anywhere at any time. Orcam Read gives you full control. You can read at your own pace as it allows you to set the playback speed for slower reading or even for speed reading. Using cutting edge artificial intelligence technology, you can also choose to read from specific points on the page with two different laser capture settings. The first laser will capture the entire page, and the second laser will capture a specific paragraph. Orcam Read captures and reads the entire page with just one press of a button, using the most advanced AI and OCR technologies. You can even connect to Bluetooth or wired headphones for private listening, leaving you free to multitask. The advanced award-winning OCR technology implemented into Orcam Read originated from Orcam My i2, the world's most advanced assistive wearable device for the blind and visually impaired, which is currently being sold in more than 40 countries and 20 languages. Using this technology, Orcam Read is able to offer the best user experience possible in an assistive reading device. And that is what this technology is all about. It's about giving people the independence that they need and empowering them to do the things that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Orchem was jointly founded in 2010 by Professor Amnon Shashua and Mr. Zeev Avaram, who are also the co-founders of Mobileye, the collision avoidance system leader and autonomous driving innovator. Orcam's mission is to harness the power of artificial vision by incorporating pioneering technology into a wearable platform which improves the lives of individuals who are blind, visually impaired, have a reading disability, or people with other conditions. Orcam and the ACB have a collaborative agreement. For more information, please contact Michelle Mendez at michelle.mendez at orcam.com or at 813-334-4223. Good afternoon. My name is Brian Finney, President of Democracy Live. First, I'd like to thank the Florida Council of the Blind for this opportunity to speak to you today about the fastest growing method of voting in the United States, which is at-home absentee vote by mail. As we all know, given the opportunity to be able to vote from home privately and conveniently with full accessibility, is a right that every voter in America should have. 
Fortunately, Democracy Live, along with other organizations, have worked in collaboration to create a fully accessible, at-home, accessible absentee balloting tool. We call it OmniBallot. OmniBallot is an opportunity for a voter, regardless of disabilities, to be able to log in to a secure portal hosted in a federally approved cloud environment, to be able to log in online using your home device, using your home screen reader or other types of accessible input device, to be able to access your ballot, mark your ballot, and then return your ballot back to the local elections office. With at-home absentee voting being the fastest growing method of voting in the country, we need to ensure that all voters have equal access to voting both in the polls and at home. The Help America Vote Act requires that all voters have equal access to accessing a, a voting machine in the polling place. Well, that accessibility should not end at the polling place. It should be extended into the home. So access to your ballot at home is also a right. So what I'd like to do today is just briefly walk you through the process of what an online accessible absentee balloting tool can be like. For background, we first launched OmniBallot back in 2009. Since then, it's been deployed in over a thousand elections in hundreds of jurisdictions over the last decade. So this technology and this tool, it's proven and it has been proven to work for all voters, regardless of disabilities. So the system itself is a cloud-based accessible balloting tool where a voter would log in and the very first thing that we, they would do is they would click on a link that's sent to them. The first thing that we, they would do is they would click on a link that's sent to them typically by your local elections office. Or you can navigate to the elections office website and access the link. When you come to the link and you click on it, you'll be prompted to enter your identifying information such as your first, last, and date of birth. And what that does is that identifies the correct ballot to you, the voter. So when you get your specific ballot, and this is the same ballot that you'd be mailed as a paper ballot as a voter from president down to the school board, you're going to get essentially an accessible digital replica of your ballot. And you'll be able to listen to your ballot, navigate your way through the ballot, mark your selections, review your selections, all in this federally approved cloud environment. Once you're finished reviewing and navigating through the ballot, you'll be prompted to print out your ballot in the state of Florida. In other states, they are now experimenting with other methods of transmitting the ballot. But in the state of Florida and in most states around the country, you'll have the opportunity to independently navigate to the ballot, mark your ballot, and then you'll print out your ballot and typically mail it back into the office. So that at a very high level is how OmniBallot works. The goal is that every voter should have independent and private and secure, safe access to your ballot. When you print out the ballot, you'll probably be prompted to sign your name, just like an absentee ballot voter would. And then again, you'll mail it back into the office. There are emerging technologies to electronically transmit your ballot back as well, but that's based on a state-by-state -state, uh, decision and what the laws of that state allow. But at the end of the day, 
in the state of Florida and hopefully in emerging states around the country, especially in the current health crisis that we're in, no voter should be forced to go down to an in-person public touchscreen voting machine to vote when everybody else can vote privately and safely from home. And so the intent of Democracy Live! through Omni Ballot is to bridge the gap of accessibility and equal access to the ballot for all voters. We want voters to have equal access to the ballot in the polling place, but in terms of a global pandemic or other reasons where a voter may want to choose to vote from home, they should have the same right to vote safely and securely at home as every other voter. And now through Omni Ballot, that opportunity and that right can be extended to the members of the Council of the Blind and to all voters throughout the country. Again, my name is Brian Finney, President of Democracy Live. If you want to contact us with any questions, please feel free to do so at info at democracylive.com. We look forward to answering any questions that you might have. And again, I want to thank the Florida Council of the Blind for the invitation to present to you here today and have a wonderful convention, even this virtual environment that we're all in. And we'll get through it together and we look forward to working with you in the future. Look forward to hearing back from you. Any thoughts or questions that you may have? Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Rick Morin, and this is ACB Radio Mainstream, bringing you the Florida Council of the Blind Convention. Katie, it's all yours. All righty then. Here I go. Let's see if I can get through this without stumbling. Sadly, you guys, this is our last event for the Florida Council of the Blinds Convention. And may I say, I have really enjoyed it, as I know you all have, too. We'd like to say a super thank you to all of our panelists and presenters who have presented for us during this weekend. I know I learned a lot and I know you did too. We certainly appreciate their knowledge and their information. Before I turn it over to our scheduled program this evening, I'd like to take a minute as convention committee chair and thank the people on my committee. This was an interesting convention because we had everything all planned for our convention in Orlando and then COVID-19 popped in and significantly changed our lives. So we had to kind of redo everything. We had to think outside the box and we had some um, pretty healthy discussions, but we did it. So here's our community. <laughs> Dan quit laughing. <laughs> Sorry, Katie. Oh, so here me, let me tell you our committee. Cassandra Jesse is our officer liaison, and she did work very hard at keeping us sane. It was a hard job, but somebody had to do it. Sally Benjamin and I had planned to work on registration, and Sally was going to do all of that, but then now she got lucky and didn't have to. Debbie Grubb did a wonderful job writing the program and then having to rewrite some of the program again because things changed. Mikey Wiseman had our hotel all squared away for us in Maitland, and then things changed significantly and then had to do some work to make sure that we didn't get having to pay a lot of extra money to them. Jim... What in the world is Jim's last name? I knew I would have this Crot. problem. Jim Crot, thank you. Jim <laughs> Crot is our immediate past president, and he really did provide us with a voice of reason because we all got a little bit crazy sometimes. Leslie Spoon did what she did best. She got, got us lots of sponsors for this convention, which we appreciated, and she also worked with them so that they would record information about their sponsors, their companies, so that we could know what they do. Um, Mark Lear is our treasurer, and he made sure we didn't overabundantly spend our money. 
Wanda Stokely did a wonderful job getting our exhibits together. And then when COVID-19 hit, she worked with the exhibitors to record all of their greetings that we've listened to in between the shows. Sheila Young, our president, worked with us when we needed help. And Pam Sogi from Orlando was very instrumental in helping Sheila traveling around to get to the, some of the different locations into Orlando to work things out. But we couldn't have done this without ACB Radio streaming for us. My personal big thank you goes to Mr. Mick Moran, who has, Mr. Rick Moran, who has worked very hard with us, patiently streaming us, helping me when I got mixed up, because I certainly did. And then we had people behind our scenes that did the streaming so that we could hear. The gentleman that streamed for us mostly yesterday was Daryl Lauchs, Jeff Bishop, Debbie Hazleton, who's currently streaming right now, and Jason Castanguay, who is the, uh, I think he's the executive director. I know he also did some streaming for us as well, but you all, we cannot thank you enough. It's been a learning experience for us as well as I know for you all. So now we are ready to move on to our final event of the evening, which is our uh, keynote speaker with Ms. Claire Stanley. But we're going to go ahead and let Sheila Young start and give us some information. So everyone sit back, enjoy, and uh, have a good listen. Sheila. The FCB, ACB, and ACB radio. I don't have to say what I was going to say because Katie just did. So thank you, Katie. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you did that because that's exactly what I was going to say. We could not have done this without ACB radio. I'm sad, but I know we're all going to have a good sigh of relief when this is all over. <laughs> so, um, but <clears throat> I thank Claire so very much. I wish we could have been in person and I wish... We could have had her here, but better to be safe than sorry. <clears throat> so now I'm going to ask Dan Spoon <clears throat> to give us an update on the sponsorship that we had this weekend. Without them, um, we would not be in a good position financially, and we certainly appreciate their support. Appreciate everybody's listening and all the committee chairs for working with us. And I know some of the committees had to even change their program because of the virtual, and we do appreciate it. And um, I just want to thank everybody that was involved. So Dan? Thank you, Sheila. And thanks to Katie and her committee, and thanks to Sheila and all of the FCB officers. I, I know we're all on mute, but I will give us all a big, just them a huge round of applause, because I want to tell you, this was an absolutely fantastic convention from start to end from Vanda and the auction on Thursday night all the way through what I know will be a spectacular uh, banquet speech uh, from a virtual banquet speech from Claire Stanley. It has just been jam-packed with all kinds of wonderful information, stimulating conversation, and just a lot of opportunity to learn and interact with each other. So to Katie, to Sheila, to Rick and, and Debbie and Jeff and Jason and everybody on ACB radio, a huge, huge thank you, thank you, thank you. It has just been a wonderful event. And, and speaking of thank you, I just wanted to take a chance to say thank you to our wonderful sponsors uh, who helped us, um, you know, 
provide provide money and not only money but just provide a lot of really good information about really important products and services that are being offered to our blind and visually impaired community. So our platinum sponsors this year were ESNS Vote uh, with their wonderful accessible voting machines that we're all going to get ready to take advantage of here before we know it. So thanks to them. Thanks to our second platinum sponsor, Spectrum Charter. And what wonderful progress they're making uh, to provide us accessible audio description and an accessible guide and the new Spectrum Access app. Just wonderful innovations coming from Spectrum. Thank you for your support. Vanda Pharmaceutical is our gold sponsor this year. We had a wonderful workshop with them. Special thanks to Shauna for a wonderful presentation and we appreciate all their support. I think this is like the fifth year in a row that Vanda has been a sponsor of our FCB convention. We had three silver sponsors. We had Democracy Live that has worked very closely with us for accessible paper ballots. And we're wonderful to see the progress that that's making there. We got a little update from Jim Crott on that this weekend. And I think it's going to be in place for our election cycle this year. So thanks to Democracy Live. Uh, we have Envision America, Amanda and her team, what uh, wonderful contributions they made. It was great to hear about their new products and the new uh, script talk that's available through Publix. And thanks for donating the uh, ID Mate Galaxy for the auction. That was a wonderful item. And, and Sheila, thanks for your nice bid on that particular <laughs> item. We really appreciate that. Our third silver sponsor was Southeastern Guide Dog. Uh, un unfortunately, the school wasn't able to attend our convention this weekend, but they're here in spirit, and we really appreciate this is the second year they've sponsored our convention, and thanks to the folks uh, over in Manatee County. We really appreciate it. Uh, we had three silver sponsors, so our first silver sponsor was Orcam. It was great to hear about their new products and see their involvement again for I think the third or fourth year with our Florida Council of the Blind Convention. So thanks to ORCAM. We had Q Media and wasn't it wonderful to hear Stacia Boyd and Mike and team and what they're doing with Q Media. I really enjoyed the audio described uh, tour presentation that they did yesterday. And, and special thanks to Stacia and to Sheila who was uh, been one of their quality control people and they're sponsoring again as a bronze level this year. And our third bronze sponsor is the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind. Hip, hip, hooray. I can never say enough about my local chapter and, and all the fine folks here in the Central Florida area. We thought we were going to be sponsoring a convention on our own hometown, but maybe, maybe we'll get together next year. We can only hope, but thanks to GOCB. Uh, we had uh, an individual sponsor, excuse me, we had some red, we have red, white, and blue sponsors as, as well at the $150 and $25 level. So at the $100 level, we had South Sarasota County Council of the Blind. So special shout out to Tom Hansen and his chapter in, uh, in the South uh, Sarasota area uh, as a red sponsor. We also had Sheila Young, who was a red sponsor for our convention. Thank you, Sheila. You're just the woman that keeps on giving, and we love you to death. And then a white sponsor was the Southwest Chapter of Council of the Blind uh, down in the Fort Myers area. So thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, together, our sponsors brought in $7,500 this year, which is just fantastic 
that these folks uh, stuck with us through a virtual convention. And I think we'll come away with a very, very satisfactory experience, uh, both from our members and from, uh, from their companies. Uh, so that's kind of it. I wanted to also maybe just mention very briefly, uh, thanks to everybody that participated in the FCB auction on Thursday night. We had 27 items. And we've, uh, you know, of course, we'll have a few credit card charges, but I think we netted a little over $3,000 on the auction. So hip, hip, hooray, and fantastic uh, uh, for everybody's support and help. I have to give a shout out to Leslie Spoon for all of her hard work. Uh, but it was just so much fun. We had, I think, over 60 people at one point in time on the stream. And uh, it, it was, it was just, a, it was a good time. So thank you all. And and you'll not only get your items, but I, I promise you, you'll get that toilet paper if you had that bonus Publix credit card toilet paper. You can count on. Uh, so thanks again from, uh, from the fundraising committee. And now I want to take an opportunity to introduce Claire Stanley. So we, we know Claire Stanley as our ACB outreach, uh, advocacy outreach specialist. But Claire is so much more. Claire is a former ACB scholarship winner. She took first place in the Braille Challenge, and I'd like to learn about her about that when she was a student. I think she, she uh, spent a lot of time in Southern California. She's a California gal, uh, has uh, a law degree. She's an attorney. And most recently, uh, she was featured on the new Disney Plus Pick of the Litter series, her and her new dog, Tulane. Uh, were featured in four different episodes uh, that streamed on Disney Plus. And so, Claire, we've heard a lot about you as a wonderful employee of the American Council of the Blind, but tonight we hope we get to hear the other side of Claire Stanley, the fun story of, of, uh, of a wonderful young woman and what she's accomplished as a blind person in our country. So, Claire, love to hear from you, and thank you so much for participating. I hope we haven't worn you out this weekend, and we'll promise we'll bring you back when we can take you to the parks and the beaches and show you a good time. Great. Thank you so much, Dan. Am I properly unmuted? You are perfect. We can hear you great. Great. Well, thank you so much, everybody. It's been a lot of fun participating in your virtual conference the last two days. I was very excited about traveling out to Florida. So I will definitely have to find another excuse to make it out there. So, um, yeah, I'm very honored that you guys wanted to hear from me um, as your keynote speaker. Um, that's very, very touching. I don't think I'm that interesting, but thank you for wanting to hear from me. Um, so I was asked to talk a little bit about who I am, introduce myself, what brought me to ACB, what my goals are, uh, are for the future and my aspirations. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about kind of who I am, where I came from. Dan already kind of alluded to some of that. Um, talk about kind of my, my life experience so far these last crazy 32 years um, and talk about where I see myself in the future. Um, but to, to start, I wanted to give some fun facts, which Dan actually already stole one of mine. But my fun fact, number one, I have an identical twin sister. So there is another one of me out there. And one of the funny, we don't look that much alike anymore, but we're still identical twins. So a couple of times in high school, she, she is not legally blind. A couple of times in high school, people went up to her and said, I thought you were blind. <laughs> so that was always our favorite story and wish we always wish she would have said, it's a miracle, I can see. 
Um, another fun fact about myself, I love arts and crafts. I'm always working on some kind of project, especially now during the COVID crisis. I have a lot of spare time on my hands. I don't have to commute to work. So I've been working on, I like to quilt. So I have my sewing machine right out here in the living room with me. I love to sew, that kind of thing. Um, and then, like I said, Dan stole my other one. I was gonna tell you guys that I won the National Braille Challenge right when I graduated from high school back in 2007, so 13 years ago. So for a brief moment, I could say I was the best at Braille in all of North America, but I have no doubt now that the younger students probably could Braille circles around me. But for a brief moment, I could say I was uh, the best Braille Braillist in North America. Um, so like I said, I was asked um, by Debbie just to talk a little bit about my story and where I came from, how it got me to ECB, um, where I see myself in the future. So when I started thinking about what my story is, I kind of started to see two different areas that I could categorize um, kind of my experiences in. And the first is privilege. I feel really fortunate that I've been afforded these opportunities. Um, I know I don't wanna take that for granted. Not everybody has access to, you know, some of the, the resources out there, the opportunities. So I see a lot of opportunities or privileges that were afforded to me. And then the second step or the second P as I call it, cause these are both P's is persistence. I then took those privileges and I ran with them and I was persistent and I was able to get to where I am today. So privilege and persistence, my two P's for the night. Um, and I should say there's another P I can throw in there and that is passion. I have a lot of passion in everything I do. And I think passion can be categorized as both um, a privilege that I have, that I am somebody who is just naturally passionate. And that's something that I'm thankful to have and that I'm able to be persistent as a passionate person. Um, you know, I think I'm passionate as a person with disability. Most of us can understand and agree that as somebody with a disability, you just have to have that extra persistence to get out there and get things done if you wanna be successful. I was also raised by a single mom. So I had to learn how to just push forward you know, I had to do a lot of things on my own. So I pushed forward and um, got, got where I am today. I, I definitely see my passion and my persistence um, as what got me through law school. Um, okay, so that, that's kind of an intro, again, thinking about the privileges and the persistence. Um, so early on, um, I think I can see what brought me to ACB and what made me an advocate even from an early age. Um, one privilege I had is that I had a really great TVI. I know that's not always the case, but I had an amazing TVI. We actually had a resource class at the elementary school I went to. So we had about a half a dozen blind and visually impaired students at my mainstream elementary school. That's where I uh, learned Braille. When I lost most of my sight, I was going there and was able to get the resources I needed. So I was very fortunate. Um, I still have a relationship with that TVI to this day. I actually call her my second mom. So I consider that a great privilege I had. And I think because of that, it pushed me to be persistent. Um, my TVI always told us that she would never take us saying, oh, I'm blind, I can't do anything. Nope, she was that TVI who said, get to work guys, you can do it, you can be successful. Um, so because of that, I think I was really pushed to uh, work hard. Um, so I worked really hard in school, starting in elementary school, um, all the way up through high school and college and grad school. Um, 
I was a really stubborn student. I can joke the Stanleys are Irish. Um, so maybe I had the, the Irish stubbornness in me, but I was always really stubborn in school and worked really hard and wanted to do well. Um, again, privilege. I went to a really great high school. It was just my local public high school. You know, you hear some people going to fancy prep schools or things like that. Nope, I just happened to live in a place with a really great um, public uh, school system. I lived in the other, I grew up in the other Orange County. I know you guys have Orange County, Florida. I grew up in Orange County, California. So I'm a proud Southern Californian. Um, so I went to a great high school. I was really involved in all kinds of activities. I was part of the Model UN program, if you guys have heard of that, Model United Nations. So you do speech and debate on international issues. So I got a lot of great practice um, learning how to debate, how to get up and talk in front of people, how to do research and how to make good arguments. Um, and I always felt like that was something that really equipped me to where I am today. Um, you know, it can be intimidating sometimes as the only blind person in the room to get up there and talk in front of, you know, dozens and dozens of people. But thanks to uh, MUN, Model UN, I got really comfortable with that. And I think even today when I go into legislative offices now to advocate um, on behalf of the blind community, that really set me up. Um, I was part of the International Baccalaureate Program, the IB program. That, again, was such a privilege, a lot of work. I had to be very persistent, um, but it really set me up to uh, get into a good college and do that kind of thing. So a lot of great privileges I had through my high school. Um, I had to be really persistent through high school, though. Um, I always have this one memory where I can't even remember what class it might have been. It might have been like advanced placement, European history or something like that. But my guidance counselor went to my TVI and said, are you sure she should sign up for all these AP classes? Maybe it's just too much. Maybe she's putting too much on her, her table. Um, maybe she should, you know, back down a little bit because she has a disability. And oh no, I was not going to take that. That was not okay with me. Again, maybe it's that Irish stubbornness coming out, but I refused to take that as an, uh, as an answer. And I took all those classes. I did well in those classes. Uh, I think those classes helped me get into college. So again, just that persistence of having the privilege and the opportunity to take those courses and then not not stepping back down from it, but to, to really take advantage of it and, and work as hard as you can. You know, we can all, all are different, but we can all work as hard as we can. So I wouldn't say no. Um, so then going on to college and grad school. And again, I think what going on to college and grad school really has led me to where I am now at ACB and what has led me to where I am in my career as somebody who's an advocate, a lawyer, wanting to uh, reach out on behalf of people with disabilities in the blind community. Um, so I went to the University of California, Davis for undergrad. Go Aggies! I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Aggies, but we're very proud. Um, and privilege right away. Um, I was so fortunate to get almost full tuition paid between uh, financial aid and then my state of California, my home state through Department of Rehab, which is our Vogue Rehab program, they actually paid for most of my tuition. So I am forever fortunate and thankful. I loved college. I was a political science and communication double, um, had so much fun, was involved in a million clubs, did everything I possibly could. I always told people that you should take advantage of what's available in college because when else in life are you going to have all these 
clubs and study abroad programs and professors and just everything right there at your fingertips. Um, so in college, I did study abroad in England. I brought my first guide dog all the way across the pond with me, which was a lot of fun. Um, I did a program where I worked in Washington, D.C. for a semester, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, I was part of the Model UN Club. I did speech and debate. I, I just did everything because I wanted to have a lot of fun in college, and I wanted to get what I could out of college. So uh, great four years, and I miss it a lot. Um, Another privilege, but persistence that took me, I want to just step forward for a second with grad school. So I took a year off and then I decided to go to law school. So I applied to law school um, and it was going to cost a lot of money. I'm sure you guys are all smiling. We know that school is a lot of money these days. So I talked to my voc rehab counselor for law school and I said, you know, according to my goal set under, you know, the, the paperwork we do for VR, I want to be an attorney. So in order to be an attorney, I have to go to law school. So you guys need to help me pay financially for this. And my counselor was this kind of curmudgeon -y older woman who had worked for the state of California probably for one too many years and you know she had been swept up into the bureaucracy and was a little tired and so she told me Claire you better say your prayers they're never going to pay for your tuition but I'll ask and I remember politely saying okay I'll say my prayers and the next day or a couple of days after she called me back and she said okay, Claire, they're paying your entire law school tuition. And we're talking almost $50,000 a year for a law school. So it was amazing. So again, taking advantage of the privileges that are afforded to you and being persistent is so important. That's something I really found. Um, I was the only blind student at my law school, and I was actually the first blind student um, I went to the University of California, Irvine, which the school itself has been around for 50 plus years, but the law school itself is very new. And so I was the first blind or visually impaired student to go to the law school. So they were amazing. They really worked with me, but it definitely was a, you know, tr a trial by fire kind of experience. Um, but again, taking advantage of that amazing privilege to go to such a great law school and just working my butt off, <laughs> reading till two in the morning, studying, 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 studying. Um, but it was a great experience. Um, so again, kind of talking about where I see myself um, in the future and the goals that I have, um, I wanted to back up and talk about some of the things that I've been involved in throughout this whole process. I've talked about high school, I've talked about college, I've talked about grad school, kind of sprinkled in all of those different times. Um, I've been involved in so many different advocacy organizations and clubs and built great relationships with people um, that I think a lot of those had helped to build where I ended up today and where I'll be going in the future and have um, offered me the networking that I've needed. Um, so just wanted to touch on some of those. In high school, I was part of the National Disability Rights Network or NDRN. Um, I participated in an essay writing contest and was selected and got to go to Washington DC for a week during the summer. It was actually in 2005, so I remember we went to an event at the Kennedy Center to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, so just a great opportunity. But I was able to network and meet all kinds of different people, learn all about the disability rights movement. I think that really helped to 
kind of spur me on and help me want to get involved in what I do now. And I think it's what it's led me, uh, where it led me to law school and then where I am at ACB now and what I hope to continue to do my whole career, which is advocate for our community. So it was a great opportunity. Um, again, like I alluded to earlier, I did a program actually both in undergrad and then again in law school where I got to do a semester in Washington, D.C. So taking a semester off from school technically and uh, interning in uh, an agency in Washington, D.C. to get work experience, internship experience. And both times, actually, I got to intern at Department of Justice in the Disability Rights Section. So I was doing hands-on work with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, so it was great. Again, opened up a lot of doors, a lot of networking, a lot of building my resume, and just a great experience. And um, because I did it in undergrad, I was able to go back with relationships I built and do it again in law school. So it was a really great opportunity. And all those things I just talked about, NDRN and the UCDC program, as we called it, made me fall madly in love with Washington, D.C. And so you can ask anybody who knew me all through high school, undergrad, or law school. I always said, the second I graduate, I'm moving to D.C. So whenever people say, wow, you're from California, why are you here? I say, because I love it. And people say, are you ever moving back? I say, no. Uh, so D.C. is definitely the place for me to be. Um, so those are just some uh, great examples of what uh, helped me move on um, and be successful. Some great um, some great opportunities for me. So where do I see myself, um, or I should say, what, what brought me to ACD? So I had so many different um, opportunities over the years through, like I said, even starting in high school, but then undergrad and grad school, where I got to intern um, and advocate for people with disabilities. In law school, I interned at, like I said, Department of Justice, but also the California Protection and Advocacy Office, which is called Disability Rights California, in the Sacramento office. Um, I interned for the um, well-known nonprofit law firm, Disability Rights Advocates in Berkeley. So it's just really afforded some really great, again, privileges, just feeling very privileged that I had the opportunity to do these things, and then took those and ran with that football, so to speak, and was persistent to be able to march on and advocate on behalf of people who are blind and visually impaired. Um, so that's kind of what helped bring me to ACB, uh, was just kind of the um, amalgamation of all those different opportunities. Uh, I got involved early on. I was a 2007 uh, scholar, ACB scholarship winner. Um, that was the summer right after I graduated from high school and I had so much fun. It was in Minneapolis that summer. I remember it was one of my first times um, staying at a hotel all by myself without my family. And suddenly I was plopped down into this group of over a thousand blind and visually impaired people and said have fun and I remember thinking this is so cool um, and I stayed involved I got to know other students it was a great sounding board for me when I had questions in college about accommodations or working with professors um, so it's just a great opportunity and I think that what I can really look back on that as what helped me even begin to one day end up at ACB as an employee. I made great relationships. I remember meeting Eric Bridges at one of the first general sessions I went to at the ACB conference and uh, stayed friends with him and Rebecca and uh, was able to, to stay in contact. Again, that privilege and then 
being persistent with those relationships, I was able to apply for the job at uh, ACB just a couple years ago. Um, so just really holding on to those relationships that you have. Um, moving forward, I am so fortunate and thankful that in the position I have right now, um, I have the privilege of developing so many networks and connections. I literally have access to congressional relationships now. Um, we have a great database that we use in the national office where we can literally pluck out the email address of congressional staffers and reach out to them. And Clark and myself are building real relationships with the staffers where they know me by name. You know, I've had them I'll email them and they say, oh, I remember you, Claire. Yeah, let's talk. Um, so just developing some great relationships that can move me forward, but also move the blind community and the advocacy community forward because we're building those relationships. Um, we've been able to reach out to people and build relationships with people at Department of Transportation, Department of Justice. So um, I see those as amazing privileges I have that are going to um, make me persistent to move forward in my career and build those relationships to be an even greater advocate for people who are blind or visually impaired. Um, and hopefully, my hope is, my goal is that that'll change the blind community that will be able to build those relationships and get better, uh, better access for services for people who are blind and visually impaired in the future. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of end with is I'm part of what people call the ADA generation. And I know some people see that as a good thing. Some people don't see that as a good thing. I see that as a great thing. I am somebody, again, I've been talking about privilege. I am privileged to be somebody who grew up with the ADA. I was two years old when the ADA was signed. And so I've been afforded so many opportunities to um, have access to things that generations before me might not have had. But I am not taking that for granted. Again, second word I've been using, persistent. I'm being really persistent to take what I have and run with it and be able to, um, you know, take advantage of the resources that are there, but also advocate for even going a step further. Things are great. The ADA has been around for 30 years now, but things are not perfect and we need to keep advocating. So as a member of the ADA generation, I am going to take that and run with it and try to be an even better advocate. So that's what I want to take from all these privileges um, now that I'm at ACB as a staff member and as somebody who intends to be a disability advocate for the rest of my life, um, that I'll take advantage of being an ADA generation member, um, accept that privilege, be so thankful for that privilege, and then be really persistent and continue to advocate. Um, so that is a little bit about my life story and who I am. Claire, that was absolutely fantastic. Is it okay if we ask Claire a few questions? Would that be okay, Claire? Of course. Ah, so share with me. So you're so here you are, thirty years old now, going on thirty-two, and you're you're in Washington D.C. So Best city ever. Yep. <laughs> what does a young woman do to have fun in Washington D.C. in their thirties? That must be. <laughs> if we don't have COVID nineteen, that must be a fun place to be. It is so much fun. I was going to say, yeah, knock on wood, hopefully COVID will end soon. Uh, DC is so much fun. There are lots of restaurants and happy hours to go to. Um, never uh, a, a lack of things to do. The, the Smithsonian's are great. Um, all the different monuments are great, but they're all just fun events like festivals and um, concerts and just always different things. Um, there are some websites you can Google what's going on in DC and literally every single day, 
every single weekend there's something going on. So um, you never bored. And I also love DC. I always tell people there's a lot of reasons I moved to DC, but one of the many reasons I left Southern California is that you have to have a car. You got to drive everywhere. And so as somebody obviously who can't drive, that's really frustrating. But in DC, that is not the case. You can, again, once COVID is over, you can take the metro everywhere. There are buses you can walk there. It's very walkable. So it's just a very um, pedestrian vet friendly city. And so I really like that too and have a lot of fun with that. Claire, this is Sheila. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how much we have enjoyed having you with us this weekend. I know we have worked you to death. <laughs> <laughs> and we do appreciate it. Um, what, number one, every time I see you, you're in a good mood. So, you know, what put oh. you, what put you in a, in a down or bad mood? And then my, other, my other question to you is, Tell us about your experience with doing Pick of the Litter. Sure. Well, I can tell you one thing that currently puts me in a down mood is COVID because <laughs> I am. <laughs> that affects all of us. Yeah. If, if you guys are familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality test and yeah. the first yeah. one is you're either an extrovert or an introvert. Yep. I am mm-hmm. the epitome of an extrovert, meaning <laughs> I'm fed by other people. So being stuck in my condo, with just my dog, and don't get me wrong, I love my dog, but <laughs> I am going. Enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what gets me down when I can't be around other people. <laughs> and then after, after you're done with the pick of the litter, I want to know what other things you do because I've been picking up some new crafts too. So um, yeah, you know, after after you're done with telling everybody about your experience doing the pick of the litter, then tell us what other crafts you like to do. Sure. Um, So the experience with Pick of the Litter was such a fun but crazy experience. Um, I still remember it was probably a month before I was supposed to go get Tulane. Obviously, I didn't know it was Tulane at the time. And I got a call from one of the um, guide dog instructors from GDB. And I thought, oh, no problem. They usually call before you go and just check in and make sure all is well. And I knew the particular instructor. He had been in my class the last time I went. So I said, hey, Darren, how's it going? And he said, Claire, I need to talk. And so I'm like, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> and he said, so did you ever watch? Because I'm sure many of you know Pick of the Litter initially was a one-episode documentary um, that came out in 2018, I believe it was. Um, and so he said, did you ever watch it? And I said, yeah, it was great. And he said, well here's the deal and proceeded to tell me that my dog they wanted to put me with was one that the cameras had been following so I remember just kind of sitting there like dumbfounded like are you kidding me (laughs) um so it was a really fun experience um definitely strange to be followed by cameras and a lot of times when they would film me out and about they would want to do multiple takes um so you'd walk down the street and they'd go okay do it again (laughs) like really um I remember they came out and um filmed me with my former guide dog Kodiak um before we left and it was a really really hot gross humid DC day and Kodiak is a black Labrador and he's older and so we walked up and down the street like three or four times and I swear he was looking at me like you've got to be kidding me this is not fair (laughs) so 
uh, really fun experience. The the uh, film producers are the nicest people ever. Um, but yeah, just a, a great experience. Um, as a plug, we are doing one of our community calls on May 30th is actually going to be with several of the uh, puppy raisers and the people who receive the dogs on pick of the litter Aww. at 7 p.m east coast time so uh call into that community call and you can meet a lot of the people from the show awesome that sounds like fun now tell us about having a twin i always say i thought that oh would be gosh, the I coolest didn't... thing in the world to have an <laughs> identical twin i didn't and I so didn't, i didn't so know it, that so what's her what's her name and, and t- tell us like a, a cool identical twin story Oh, gosh. Well, see, it's so funny because people always say, Claire, what's it like to have a twin? And my response always is, so, Dan, what's it like not to have a twin? Because <laughs> uh, that's all I know. Um, so no, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it's great. She and I are very close. We, um, I don't want to use the word creep. That sounds too strong. But sometimes we weird each other out because we'll say something and we'll go, I was going to say that because our brains, our brain, you know, waves are so similar mm-hmm. and we think in the same way. Now, so, where does she live? She lives in West Hollywood. So she stayed back in Southern California. So mm-hmm. not in our hometown, um, but much closer to our hometown than I am. So, yeah. And her name is Kate. So Kate's and Claire. Aw. Kate yeah. and Claire. Okay. Yeah. Rick, oh, question? Oh, Sheila, to answer your, your crafts question, because uh-huh. I could talk about that all day. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've done just about everything. I Like I said, quilting is my thing right now, but I'm also really into knitting. So knitting blankets and scarves. Uh-huh. I did jewelry making for a while. I love to feel the different shapes of the beads. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do uh, like card making. So with like the cutters where you can cut out the different shapes and stuff. I like to feel all those. So yeah, you name it. I've probably tried it. <laughs> cool. We had, I, I worked at the Princeton Elementary here in Orlando, and I worked with blind and visually impaired uh, students, and we had students go to the National Braille a couple years, so. Nice. Very fun. Very fun. Congratulations on that. That's quite a, quite a feat. Thank you. It's so always cool to say you're number one. You exactly. don't get to say that very often. That's right. My name is forever engraved on the the trophy they have. So even though the younger kids, like I said, could probably braille circles around me, at least (laughs) there. Does anybody have any questions for Claire? Yeah, we got phone phone number 4163. Oh, hello, Miss Leslie. Leslie? Leslie. Hello. I was (laughs) muted. I was muted. That's okay. Did you have a question? Can you all hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Claire, I just wanted to say it's been wonderful. You, it's what a delight, and I don't think I want Dan to have a twin, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I've learned so much about you tonight, and I, I have been in person with you so many times, and you are just a delight to be with, and a, a real, real gem. And I just want to ask you a quick question. That you know that you told me you do all these crafts. I'm going to have to pick your brain and see if you'd like to donate to the ACB auction. Do a craft. <laughs> I love it. I I think that's a definite possibility, Lucky. <laughs> Okie dokie, but thank you again for being with us this weekend. Of it's course, been wonderful. Debbie Grubb. Hey, Debbie. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Oh, cool. Um, I just wanted to make one brief comment and ask Claire uh, ask Claire a big favor. Claire, you know, in in this world, sometimes we are far too comfortable in our victimhood. 
And that isn't true for everybody, but we all know people for whom that's true. And we may as well call a spade a spade. And I hope with all my heart that one of the things you will do throughout your hopefully long life as a disability rights advocate is to continue to show your positivity, the gratitude that you've had for circumstances and people who influenced your life and your persistence. Because sometimes I really believe that one of our biggest enemies is apathy and then some a little creeping in of bitterness and clinging to our victimhood. And you are one of those many exceptions. And I would be the first to say that in our blindness community, we have many wonderful people. But you know, the quote is, I didn't come, I didn't come to heal the well. You know, I can't and I you are so vibrant and so wonderful. So I'm just asking you to please put that on your plate is to try to pass along your persistence, the gratitude for your privilege, your positivity, and you are just a credit to ACB and to all of us. And we are just so glad you're among us. And I believe it was a meant to be thing for me to ask you to do this. So I'm happy. <laughs> It's wonderful. Thank you, dear. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And to go back to a couple of different presentations I've been part of, um, the persistence is so important, like we've talked about with what Senator Simmons says and what we talked about with Cindy this afternoon. You know, you just got to keep going. You, you know, things don't happen overnight, but you just got to keep chug, chug, chugging along. So we have any other questions, Rick? Yeah, we sure do. Anthony Corona. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Hi, am I unmuted? Yes, sir. Hey, Claire, thank you very much for all the presentations, your amazing participation. And I couldn't have been given a better lead in by Debbie Grubb. I'm curious to the thought process, if you could talk about a little bit when you used the theme, pre, uh, you know, privilege and persistence. And did you question at all, maybe using the word privilege as much as you did in the speech? You know, I... I, I, I wondered if I should use that word, you know, it has different connotations, but I just wanted to be real with it because I think all of us come from different places and our privileges look different. Um, but I constantly have to remind myself that I am very fortunate that the door was opened to me in different ways. Now, you know, some people have different situations, better, worse, you know, whatever you, yardstick you want to use to measure it. But I just... I, I guess I use the word privilege because I try to remind myself how blessed and how fortunate I am that, you know, I want to take what was given to me, what was available to me and run with it. So. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. 4220. 4220. Uh, yes. Hello. Uh, yes. Good, uh, good afternoon, Claire. My name is, uh, my name is William Belina from Burien, Washington. Hi, and uh, I have a, hi. I've got a question for you. Has your family um, ever come out to visit you in, in D.C.? They have. Um, they've come a couple of times. Um, my, I was very fortunate this past year. Well, let me take a step back. They've come a couple of times, um, which is always fun because you get to play, you know, tour guide to D.C., which is never a lack of things. <laughs> But the last time they came, I actually just bought my own first home, a condo, a little two bedroom, but it's mine, um, first <laughs> condo. And I hosted Thanksgiving this past year, which was really fun. Um, so I got to host a, a holiday um, for the first time and they came out, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, they've come a couple of times. Always trying to get my mom to come to the East Coast can be a little tough, but I've been able to, <laughs> to get her out here a couple of times. 
Thank, thank you, you very much, Claire. Claire. Anybody else, Rick? Yeah, I got a question for Claire. Claire, do you know a good place to get a cupcake in DC? Yes. Okay, so I take this very seriously. So I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard about Georgetown Cupcake because it was on a TV show. And so apparently, not apparently, if you go to Georgetown, there's always a line way down the block wrapped around and they're pretty good i've had them before but i tell people georgetown cupcake is overrated the <laughs> best the best place to go is another place in georgetown called baked and wired and it's a bakery slash coffee shop and they have the best cupcakes in the world so if you're ever in georgetown in dc go to baked and wired and get a cupcake you will not be disappointed <laughs> now, what's, what's your favorite flavor see if you if you answer it the same way twice I will answer the same way twice. It's called a it's called a dirty chai. So the cupcake itself tastes like a chai latte, and then the frosting on top is espresso frosting. Oh my gosh! It's so good. so Claire, tell me how much research have you put into finding the best cupcake? In <laughs> you know, I guess I haven't put in as much as I should. I found baked and wired, and just I'm. I, they converted me. I'm a zealot. <laughs> that, that's, that sounds like it needs to be an article in the Braille forum. Yeah. I think that could be a tour around D.C. Yeah. I, I, I know somebody very well who would uh, who would sign up for that tour in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, Next, and I'm going to ask a Leslie question. What's your favorite chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one I have to think a little bit more about. But D.C., if you like sweets or food or coffee, uh, when you guys, and I say you guys, because I mean, everybody needs to come to leadership conference next year uh, and do, do a, a trip out to DC and try all the different cuisines and food and coffee. There's never a shortage. So we don't have enough time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got to come in early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep us too busy. <laughs> Rick, do we have any other questions? Not at the moment, but I'm sure. Well, how about, can Katie pop in here? Oh, go yeah, right ahead. I'm, I'm co-host. I'm co-host and I don't have the opportunity to raise my hand. It won't let me do it. It won't let me either. So, <laughs> um, what I wanted to say, Claire, is that I really admire you because I love your positivity. I love your smile and your voice. And I know that when you walk in somewhere, all you have to do is do that. And people are like, yes, ma'am, what can we do for you? <laughs> it, it makes such a big difference when you go in with a happy face and oh, yeah. you know, you've got the charm, you've got the confidence and you just, you go get it, girl. You got it all. Yeah. But what I wanted to tell you was I have a twin brother. Oh. You, would, you would be amazed at the number of people that say to me and they're dead serious. Are y'all identical twins? <laughs> And then I, I get this look on my face and I, I kind of roll my eyes and I say, oh, that was a really stupid question. <laughs> well, what about this one? I get, my sister and I get this sometimes. We'll say, oh, we're twins, blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, oh, Clara, when's your birthday? And I'll tell them, they say, so Kate, when's your birthday? <laughs> I've had that one. I've had that one too. <laughs> well, good luck and, and stay with us for a long time because you're wonderful for ACB. Well, when, he, when we mentioned cupcakes, all these hands shot up. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mary Tyson, you're up. Hi, Mary. <laughs> Hi. Um, I, I just wanted to comment. Claire, you've just done a wonderful job. I've not met you, but I look forward to someday. I'm the um, president of the Halifax chapter of the Florida Council of the Blind. Um, we're in the Daytona. Oh, well, yeah, that too. But that, that's. <laughs> 
I have to, I have to talk about my chapter first because she knows all about FCB just for being with us this weekend. You've just done a wonderful job, and I just wanted to thank you for that and and sharing and, and echo the uh, the others who have said your positivity is is impressive, and um, and so much of what you say is you know, the doors that were open to you, but you know, you had to knock on those doors. So don't, don't sell yourself short. You're doing a great job and we appreciate you. And we hope to see you in person soon. Thank you. <laughs> I think a, I think a good you, adjective Mary. is contagious. <laughs> yes. Her you positivity know, is contagious. Yeah. Every time I see Claire, she's always so happy and upbeat. And I'm like, she's got to be mad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it comes out. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, and, uh, who else, Rick? Uh, that's it for now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought Leslie would call back in and talk about chocolate. <laughs> 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 well, Claire, oh, gosh. Do you like to read or? Do I like to read? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I love to read. Um, I'm an, an avid reader. I really like nonfiction lately, but I'll read both things. Um, and I'm a proud Braille reader, as we've talked about. So I really like to read on my um, my Braille display. This is my favorite way to read. So, um, yeah, I really do enjoy reading. I do not like many of my generation. I unfortunately... I'm not a fan of science fiction and fantasy, which I'm sure many of you are scoffing at. Um, I unfortunately do not like that, but I do really no, love I don't, to read. I, don't, so. I, I love to read, but I don't read science fiction. So, <laughs> so yeah. So where you live downtown? I do not. So I live in Maryland now, actually, oh, because okay. like, like I said, I bought my place and there was no way I could afford a place in downtown. If you guys want to, you know, tell Eric to increase my salary. <laughs> no, I tease. <laughs> we'll have to talk to the board of the directors. About That's that. right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, I do not live in downtown. I used to live not quite in downtown. Um, but further down the red line, if that means if anybody spent time in D.C. So I live further down the red line, actually really close to the National Zoo. Um, I used to live there for three years. Um, and then I, when I just bought my place this past spring, I moved out into Maryland. But it's also just down the red line. So I hop on the red line and boom, I'm in the city really, really quickly. How long does it take you to get to work? When, when it takes me to the office. <laughs> well, the office is now, you know, in Virginia. So now I literally start in Maryland, chug through DC, and end up in Virginia. So right. it takes me about an hour. <laughs> now, did you get Claire? Did you have a chance to work somewhere else in DC before ACB? I did. So I graduated from law school in 2015, and uh, the first thing I did, I was so fortunate because getting a job right out of law school, especially in the nonprofit world, is hard to come by because sadly, there's no money in it. And so there's hard to find jobs. Um, but my law school um, had a public interest fellowship. So if you could find a nonprofit law firm who would hire you, the law school would pay your salary. So it's kind of a win-win for all parties involved. Um, so that first year, I worked for the uh, Disability Rights DC, which is the protection and advocacy office for the district. Um, so I did that. And then unfortunately, like all things with public interest funding, it came to an end. <laughs> um, so then for the next year and a half, I actually worked at the Mid-Atlantic ADA Center, um, which I don't know if people are familiar with the ADA National Network. They are charged um, by Congress to educate people on the Americans with Disabilities Act. So my job was literally to go out and teach people what the law was all about and how it works and what people's rights are. Um, so I did that. And then 
I um, came to ACB. And I always tell people, I love the job at the ADA Center, but I was really happy to leave because the way Congress wrote the law for the ADA Center, you're supposed to be completely unbiased. You're just teaching people what the law says. You're not an advocate. You're just teaching the law. And I'm really bad at being unbiased. <laughs> That's why I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so are you by that, the harbor area there, you know, with that, that kind of fun area when you go across the I, to, into, into Maryland? I'm not quite in that area, no. Uh, um, okay. I'm, um, yeah, no, not in that area. Okay. Okay. So do, do you have a desire to be a lawyer or are you totally convinced? She is a lawyer, <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> Damn. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Rick's now oh. muted me. Don't worry. I won't say anything else. <laughs> You I know, don't. I, I, I don't mean that. You know what I mean, Glenn. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I've kind of seen, as you know, my career goes on, that kind of just take it as it comes and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, yeah. I really do enjoy the um, the interaction on the hill, though. So knock on wood, I would love to see myself continuing to work on Capitol Hill and maybe in a lobbying capacity or continue to do the kinds of advocacy we, we do on the Hill. I really enjoy that. So. Well, and, and you do an amazing job for us. I, I did mute Dan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I unmuted myself, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> he loves to give me a hard time, Rick. <laughs> Everybody likes to give me a hard time. <laughs> All right. If anybody else has any questions, please call in, raise your hand with Alt-Y or star nine on your phone. Claire, this has been delightful. Absolutely delightful. We have enjoyed every presentation you have taken part in this weekend, and we can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And uh, like I said before, I was really bummed that I couldn't come in person, but completely understand. So um, hopefully I'll make it out to Florida sometime soon after everything settles down. So Tom Hansen. I, oh, I sorry. Home. oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Claire. Question. Hi, Claire and everyone. First of all, on behalf of the Guide Dog users, we appreciate you coming and help kicking off the um, convention. Um, mm -hmm. I was disappointed in your presentation that you did not tell us the Irvine were the anteaters. That is true. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> we'll have to go over that one. Is there a story, a story there? No, no, just here? how many teams you know are the anteaters. They also got, what, the dirt doubles and all sorts of things in that conference. There, there is a story behind the anteaters of Irvine, though. Are you familiar with the story? No, I'm not. So... Uh, UC Irvine opened up in the 60s, I believe it was, and the story goes, and I think this is true, they were trying to decide what the mascot of the university would be, and they had a survey for students to participate in, and apparently the students were not um, impressed by any of the suggestions, so instead of voting on any of the suggestions, somebody said to start writing in Anteater, and enough students just wrote in Anteater, and it became the mascot. So his name is Peter, and he's Peter the Anteater. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <Yeah. laughs> what do you think about that, Badger? 
Thank you, Tom. <laughs> can you give us any perceptions of what you think might happen with the um, uh, rulemaking? Uh, for the service animals? Yep. You know, it's so hard to tell, um, and it's hard to tell when it'll happen. I am, what's the word I want to use? I, I'm fairly confident that something is going to happen with the definition of service animal. Um, as you know, emotion, the question whether emotional support animals should even be permitted to be on planes was the question. And I know lots of people had opinions on that. And I will leave out my opinion because that is not necessary. Um, but I have a feeling that was weighed in significantly. So I have a feeling that will definitely be influenced. Um, I am nervous about the documentation um, suggestion. Um, we, meaning ACB, we did our darndest to get many comments submitted so that um, they know that documentation seems overburdensome, but I'm a little nervous on that one too, that a lot of people, airlines especially and what have you, think it's necessary. So I guess it'll depend on whose voice rang out the loudest. Um, so I think those are the two biggest things I can definitely see emotional support animals being impacted. Um, and then I really hope we don't have to deal with documentation. So we'll see see whose voice was louder in the end. Yeah, that's a little much. But yeah, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, well, again, thanks and we appreciate having you and um, come back and visit the guide dog users anytime you can. Definitely. And thank you for the opportunity. I am forever a very proud guide dog user. So I was happy to participate. You wonder Thank who this you, is. Phone number four one six three. Hi, Leslie. Hi. I just wanna. I wanted to say about the chocolate and Claire. I want to go have a cupcake. <laughs> Do it. I to go have cupcakes when I'm there next. Definitely. <laughs> I had to chime in about the chocolate. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. Yeah. Yummy. Rick, do we have anybody else? What are they, Leslie? Two dollars each or three for five? Is that what they do? Three the deal for five, was? three for five, <laughs> six for twenty. For you, Rick, maybe a hundred. <laughs> you know, last year I bought some at National for a dollar a piece. Don't <laughs> uh, giving out my secrets now. Drusilla, you're up. Hi. Hi, Clara. This is Drusella calling from West Palm Beach, Florida. I want you to know you are so amazing. You're awesome. Just oh, you're so kind. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Clara. Oh, thank you. You're very sweet. <laughs> thank you so much for listening and calling in. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you all as well for inviting me in. <laughs> you are very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Clara, for your motivational speaking as well. Of course, you're welcome. Okay, dear, I'm up. <laughs> Rick, do we have anybody else? Let's see, Jim White's got his hand up. Jim, if you can unmute yourself. Hi, Jim. Jim? James White. Yeah, Jim, you did it the last time. Let's see if you can. There you go. I think I think he got it. Here you go. Hi, Jim. Hello, Jim. Hello. Can you hear me? We can. Yeah. Uh, tell Tina that uh, 
y'all have a real good convention. Oh, thank you, Jamie. And I hope to see y'all next year in Orlando. All right, dear. Thank you so much for calling and thank you for listening. James, are they keeping you busy at Publix? Uh, yes. <laughs> I bet so. I'm on vacation now for two days <laughs> and I go back Monday. Good. Well, thank you so thank much you. for listening. Who, who, who am I talking to? Dan Spoon? Yep. Yes, James. Hi, hi James. I tell you why I say hi. We'll do it, James. And I'd see y'all in Orlando hopefully next year. We All look right. forward to it. You take care Thank of you. yourself. All right. Bye, James. Okay. I have a comment after that last speaker. Thank you so much for calling in. I have never been to a public. My roommate, who I live with for several years, is from Florida. She's from Tallahassee, I believe. And she swears by Publix. And she told me they're the most amazing thing in the world. But I've never been to one. So sometime when I'm in an area with Publix, I've been told I absolutely have to try one. Okay. Oh. When you come to Florida, you can stay in my house. Because nobody lives with me. So I have a spare room and I'll take you to Publix. Dan and, Dan and Leslie have some public uh, gift cards that come with a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, I, I, I bought one. <laughs> Anybody else, Rick? No, that's it. Well, Claire, I, I just, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank Dan and Rick and Katie. And I want to say that this has been an amazing adventure for all of us. A very new experience that I hope we never have to do again. <laughs> but... It, you know, it, it's been wonderful that we could connect with each other, even though we couldn't be in person. And I'm so grateful that ACB Radio offered us the opportunity to be able to go forward with our convention in the way we did. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your help and be safe and take care and hope to see you next may good night and we'll we'll let claire go what do claire what do you say at the end of the acb advocacy update that's right keep advocating thank you claire thank everyone, you everyone you've been listening to acb radio main event not main event <laughs> <laughs> well it might be yeah. the main event tonight god oh my yeah no tired. <laughs> where did where did that come from i don't know <laughs> ACB Radio Mainstream, thank you very much, Jen. And uh, all I got, got to say on behalf of uh, everybody at ACB Radio, uh, you know, Jeff Bishop and Debbie Hazelton and Jason Castangue and myself and Darrow and, and everybody else who, who worked on this stuff, we are, you know, so, so happy and so, so privileged to have done this for you guys. So thank you so much. And um, if you do it again, give us a call. <laughs> thank you, Rick. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.